Well, it's good to be together tonight. I'm glad that you've uh, tuned in, joined in, signed, whatever called. We're just glad that you're here. I want to share with you tonight just a little, in a little bit of a different way than I usually do. Um, one of the very familiar passages that uh, come from the Gospel of Luke is the story of the prodigal son. And um, I'm just going to read that to you, but we, we actually are not going to talk too much about that tonight. Um, we're going to talk actually out of Romans chapter 5, uh, the first of the six verses. But it it parallels what is going on in the prodigal son. And so I thought I would read that story to set up uh, a discussion on Christian reconciliation. And uh, reconciliation is a good uh, thing to consider and think about in Lent. And uh, we're going to do that tonight. So let's begin. In the book of Luke 15, the 11th to the 24th verses. And he said, that's Jesus, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the breast robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. The story of the prodigal son uh, is a definite story of reconciliation. As Jesus told that story, uh, you know that what he was talking about was our relationship with God the Father. Um, we all, like sheep, the Bible says, have gone astray. Sometimes our reconciliation needs to be between us and other people, other persons. Sometimes, or rather all times, whenever there's a breakdown in relationship, I believe we have sinned against God in all things. So there's always going to be that need for reconciliation uh, with God the Father. But I'll just talk about this prodigal for a moment here, point out to you that he really took a downhill slide. He uh, became very uh, self-indulgent, wanted everything he had coming to him. Not only was that self-indulgent, but it was selfish. Uh, he separated himself from his family. He uh, went off and lived a life that was far different, found himself both hungry and, I would say, destitute. And that would not only be material or de materially destitute, but spiritually destitute. And actually reached the point where he was starving. And I would say there's a parallel there 
in our spiritual lives. Uh, when, when we may get hungry physically, there is also a need spiritually in our lives when we are broken uh, relationship, uh, sinned in relationship particularly with God. There's a hunger that needs to be filled. And, and fortunately, uh, the prodigal son chose to reconcile he came to his senses. He realized the circumstance that he was in. He actually resolved to go back uh, uh, and become a, a servant of his father. And he repented, came back, and admitted as he returned that he was in the wrong. And he didn't deserve uh, anything more than what he had. And so he was asking uh, to be reconciled to his father. And if you notice, uh, it gets far better, better than just reconciliation. Uh, the father reclothed him. And the father rejoiced through a party with him, and they had a great time together. Uh, that's a great picture in the scriptures of reconciliation. But there's also a passage in the book of Romans that I would like to share with you tonight that talks about reconciliation from Paul's perspective, and it actually illustrates, or rather the, the story of the prodigal son illustrates what Paul writes about in this passage and what is necessary for Christians as we reconcile with each other and with God. And so I'm going to read tonight uh, from Romans chapter 5, the first 11 verses. And it will read like this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him uh, from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. <clears throat> more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. I want to take this a verse at a time and point out to you uh, what the Apostle Paul tells us. In the first verse, he says, we have been justified by faith. And we have peace with God our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to recommend to you and share with you that one of the benefits, as it were, one of the great things that comes uh, with reconciliation to God as well as with others is a certain sense of peace. Paul said, we've been justified by faith, therefore we have peace with God through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. You may recall that Isaiah wrote and said that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our sins. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. So I want you to notice that we find our peace by the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. Later in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul would write that Christ is our peace who has made both one. That means he's brought uh, the two sides together. He has torn down the wall uh, that sin has set up and keeps us from having the peace. And so Jesus 
for Paul actually becomes our peace. And it says in Colossians 1 that through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of a cross. Now that's an amazing thing. The most violent, uh, one of the most violent deaths that you could live, die, crucifixion. And Paul writes here that through it we find peace by the blood of Jesus' cross. I'm going to take a sip of coffee here as I go to Romans 5.2. The book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 2, uh, Paul writes, Through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So I want to point out that reconciliation to God also brings us access to God. Uh, when we uh, seek to repent and to restore our relationship with the Lord, one of the things we get is access to the Father. It is not going to be an intermediary. intermediary. There is not going to be someone that stands between us and the Lord. We are going to have access by the faith that we have in Jesus Christ's work. And it leads us into that unmerited favor of God, the grace, which allows us to stand in the very presence of God. You know, Paul, or not Paul, but the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 10, uh, he said, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. What's being written about there in Hebrews is the fact that, you know, in the Old Testament, the Jews had to go on the Day of Atonement and the high priest would enter into the holy place with lamb, blood, and, and offer a, a sacrifice for all the people. Paul's writing, or rather Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews is writing here and is agreeing with what Paul said back in Romans 5, 2, that we now have access and confidence to enter into God's presence because of the blood of Jesus shed upon the cross. That's one of the reasons that our Lord said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, it's amazing to me how many times we'll try to get access in so many other different ways. But the only way that you can get to heaven, the only way to get to God is through his Son, Jesus Christ. But Romans 5.2 tells us not only that we have access, if you would, again, I'll read that verse, Romans 5.2, we not only have obtained access by faith into this grace in, now, in which we now stand, but we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So one of the things that, you know, this, this uh, reconciliation with the Lord brings us is joy. There's an unspeakable joy that comes from knowing the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that he, uh, we have been reconciled to him. You'll remember that 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 prodigal son, when he ran off and did his thing, uh, he had lost access to his father. But once he came home and his father saw him uh, coming, his father ran to him. And he, he, there was great joy in that reunion. And, and in that joy, the father said, you know, put a ring on his finger, kill the fatted calf, put shoes on his feet. My son was dead, but now he lives and we will rejoice. That is how it is for God when we come back into relationship with him, when we seek to repent and to reconcile ourselves to God because of the sin that's in our lives, we've been separated from him. But there's great joy in heaven, and I would add there should be great joy in us because of the fact that we have obtained this access and we've been reconciled to God. 
A third point would be in Romans 5, 3. I guess it's a fourth point. Paul writes and says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. You know, I would simply say to you on that count that we can find glory, the glory of Christ in the difficult situations of life. When he says we rejoice in our sufferings, I know that most of us, when we have to endure a hard time, there's probably too much joy in that. But because we share in the sufferings of Christ, we find purpose in those sufferings, and therefore we should find joy. I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself here, but if you look at Romans 5.3, it says we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces endurance. Uh, the, the better word there for me comes from the King James, suffering produces patience, but I'll use the English, version, English Standard Version's word endurance. But right now what I want you to see is that we can rejoice in our sufferings and have glory uh, in the trials that come our way because we know that God will put purpose uh, into the suffering that they have. You know, when the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, were placed into bondage in Egypt, there's a verse back there in Exodus 1 that is very telling, and I think it plays on or illustrates for us our, our glory in trial. Exodus 1 and verse 12 says, The more that they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, the more they spread abroad. Now, I just want you to pay attention to that. They were slaves in Egypt, and the more they suffered, the more they grew. I think there's a spiritual uh, illustration for us in that, that our suffering does produce patience and endurance in us, and God has placed purpose in the difficulties and trials of our lives. You know, when Job was going through uh, his times and people were suggestive that perhaps this was a punishment from God, here's the word from Job 5.17. Blessed is the one who God reproves. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. I don't know that uh, I believe that all suffering is God's discipline. But when the trials come, recognize that God can use those circumstances uh, with purpose and for his glory in growing us into what he wants us to be. Paul would write uh, concerning his life. You'll remember shipwrecked, imprisoned, beaten, left for dead, all those things. Uh, he would write in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. It's beyond all comparison because I think we can't even understand it. And the difficulties that we are going through now we can find purpose in them. And so reconciling ourselves to God, as the book of Romans said back there in the third verse, we can, we can rejoice in our sufferings because we can find purpose in them. But notice also that it says that that suffering produces patience or produces endurance. And Paul's going to write a little bit more deeply about that in this fourth verse. He's going to say suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character. Let's just stop for one minute and consider the concept of patience. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, said this, better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And, and really what that passage is saying is nobody likes to wait. Nobody likes to wait. I mean, if you tell me that we are going to go on vacation in a month, 
Uh, I need to have that month gone now. When I was a kid, if you told me Christmas was in 30 days, I needed those 30 days out of the way now. Many of you have done things in your lives. You've you've even done the, the simple things that had to require you to wait for something to take place. And And what the writer here is saying, Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, is saying, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Because at the end, you get to see uh, what that suffering was about, what that trial was for, what that waiting was for. And when you get to the end, it makes sense. Uh, over in Luke <clears throat> uh, 21 and verse 19, uh, Jesus said, By your endurance you gain your lives. Sometimes we just have to wait. Sometimes we just have to wait. And remember what this verse said. It said endurance produces character. Now, I have taken that word, and it's used in other, uh, uh, that word character, it's used in other translations. Uh, it's, it's given the word experience. Our patience produces experience. That is to say character. Uh, and, it, and it grows us. And, and there was a book written some years ago by Bill Eason called Growing Spiritual Redwoods. I want to say that sometimes having to wait, uh, sometimes having to wait upon the Lord allows us to have the opportunity to grow our character. Because that waiting time is when God develops and moves in such a way. So when we are reconciled to him, uh, one of the things that happens, this, this Romans 5 passage is teaching us, is that God over time, because of that reconciliation, grows us. And I believe he can grow us into those so-called spiritual redwoods, that uh, we can have the wisdom of God in time, that we can have uh, the ability to wait in a way that grows our character, that grows our experiences into making us people who understand who God is, what God would do, and ultimately what we should do. Notice one last thing here in this fourth verse. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. You know, in Romans 5, 5, listen to what the writer says about hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. There's nothing greater than being reconciled to God and allowing him to grow us to the place that we recognize that there is hope for every circumstance that we may find ourselves in. And uh, Paul, in, in Paul wrote in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 4, uh, about Abraham. You remember Abraham was 100 years old. He, he and Sarah were beyond childbearing years. And he packs up everything he has and heads off uh, because God made a covenant with him and told him to head off. And when they thought they couldn't have children, of course, Isaac was born. And when Paul reflected back on that birth, and on, on that commitment to be true to God's covenant. Uh, it says, in hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. So one of the things that reconciliation gives us is the ability to grow, the ability to become uh, people that we weren't before, because our relationship with God has been healed and made right. And it brings hope to us. Uh, in Hebrews 6, um, 
the 18th and 19th verses. I'll just read this to you. By two unchangeable things, in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. And I believe that when we are reconciled to God, those things happen. Uh, God grows us. Um, in, in this passage here in Romans this morning, uh, God is talking about when we are, or Paul is writing about that when we are reconciled to God, we ultimately uh, grow in such a way that we become what God uh, wanted and intended for us to be originally. Now, I'm going to go back and review before I get to that fifth verse and just let you in your mind uh, think through because I've been rattling along here for quite a while now. But listen to Romans 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Through him we've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And now in the fifth verse, And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I'll tell you what that's telling us. Hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love. One of the things that comes with reconciliation is not only God's love, but the development of that God, of that love inside of us. Listen, if you would, for a minute to Romans 5.8. It's a very familiar passage. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God loves us. That's, that's the meaning of John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And so while we're yet sinners, we're, we're no longer home like the prodigal. We have gone in our selfish way. We've self-indulged. We've slipped into the depths of sin as far as we could slip. And God commends his love toward us while we're in that condition that he loves us. Friends, I think that's ultimately uh, what the transformation that takes place in the Christian's life when they've been reconciled to God. You know, hope, endurance, access, all of those things. But at the end of the day, it leads us to live a life of hope that ultimately uh, consummates in God's love, not only for us, but it being shed abroad in our hearts for those around us. That's why Paul said here in this fifth verse, hope does not put us to shame. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. And God shows his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ dies for, died for us. Tonight, church, I just want to encourage you. You know that prodigal son, he ran off in the worst kind of way, distanced himself as far as he could from God. And yet, God was reconciled to him. When, he, when that son came home, his father ran to him, threw out his arms, killed the fatted calf, put the ring on his finger, put the shoes on his feet, and rejoiced because his son, who he thought was dead, was now alive. There is great rejoicing in heaven over one who repents and returns and is reconciled to their father. 
I just hope tonight that in this season of Lent, you will know that not only does God love us with an everlasting love, but he wants us to be reconciled to him, to find the faith, the hope, the endurance, the patience, all those things that lead us once again to know his love and to share his love afresh and anew. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.